Anyways, we really need to get the fuck going with this one oh, because shit. we might, might have to make this one quick. Way over. Yeah. I'm not going to have too much. I got a few news stories, but okay. we probably got the same news stories as well. Oh, shit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. How you doing today, Pat? I'm back in the studio. I made it. 70 deuce. 72. 72. I don't know about you. But I'm feeling 72. Yes, I am. My, Absolutely. My fucking back and my leg. Definitely feeling 72 <laughs> lately. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, you got any players for 72? Uh, I feel like I do, but I don't. I got one. And this guy, I wasn't even conscious of until about three days ago. His name is Hialti. Fro Holt. He's a Danish professional football player for the Cleveland Browns. He plays offensive guard. Apparently, he was born in Denmark. Somehow, ended up going to Arkansas and played football. <laughs> he got drafted. He got drafted by the Patriots in the fourth round. No oh, shit. And he went to IMG Academy in Florida, which is a school that played Bishop Sycamore in that news story we ran a while back. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where he went to high school. No shit. He I I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's H J A L T E. I'm gonna say it's Yalti. Okay. Yalt maybe. Sure. And his last name is Frohold. F R O H O L D T. I guess he's banged around in the league for a while. He has been with the Browns since December 20. Or he's no, he ended up with the Browns on December 24th on Christmas Eve. They activated him because of the coronavirus. Cool. So yeah, I guess Good he was him. in a game, but um, the player from the the Blind Side. What was his name? Michael Orr. I think he was number 72, wasn't he, for the Ravens? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. He played for the Ravens and the Titans. I think he was number 72. That sounds about right. Now, what's funny for with him is he was famous with the movie before he was even really in the NFL. Yeah. It was like right as he was coming into the league. Mm-hmm. He didn't even play left tackle. He's mostly a right tackle. <laughs> so he's the blind side when he's playing right tackle. I thought that was kind of funny. That's funny. Anyways, do you have any news today, sir? I have three news stories. Oh, I got three as well. We probably have at least... I'm going to say at least two of the same. <laughs> Probably. Want to go ahead and get us started with this one? Sure. New England fishermen reel in 12,000-year-old woolly mammoth tooth. That one from UPI Odd News? Yes, sir. Yeah, I saw that one. I did not run it, though. So I was hoping cool. you were going to run this one. Perfect. Yep. The crew of a New Hampshire fishing boat was dredging for scallops when they pulled up something unexpected. A 12,000-year-old woolly mammoth tooth. Portsmouth-based crew, known as the New England Fishmongers, said the 11-inch-long tooth was found off the coast of Newburyport, Massachusetts. Tim Ryder, captain and co-owner of the New England Fishmongers, took the seven-pound item to the University of New Hampshire, where experts identified it. I always love thinking about the landscape in New England, UNH geology professor Will Clyde told NBC Boston. With mammoths and macedons walking around, and in terms of geological times, it wasn't that long ago. Ryder said he has decided to auction the tooth on eBay and donate the, the proceeds to World Central Kitchen, a charity working to provide hot meals to refugees from the violence in Ukraine. I'm a fisherman, but anytime you see families and children struggling in that type of situation, really try and be thankful for what you have and do what you can to help, Ryder told Seacoastal Online. Well, that's quite the honorable man that we're, we're talking about. It is. I like this fisherman. I like this guy. But a 12,000-year-old tooth... That's a random ass thing that you're gonna dig up, dredging for whatever. Yeah, I don't know if I would like get rid of it like that. I, like, I don't know. Yeah, see, know. again, it all, it all starts with how quickly did they identify it? Did they actually know what the fuck they brought up? Was it just something that somebody else identified? You know what I mean? Sure. But that was a pretty interesting one. Do you have anything more that you want to cover with that one? That's it. That was a pretty good one. That was what state again? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we've talked about New Hampshire before on the show. Have we? We don't have any listeners from New Hampshire yet. Damn. Anyway, we'll get to my first one real quick. This one also comes from our favorite UPI Odd News. Nice. That's going to be a guy that we've talked about several times before. He's back at it. Man walks 3,257 <laughs> feet with lawnmower on his chin for Guinness World Record. I you, did see this, but you, I didn't run it. You probably know who this guy is at this point. <laughs> An Idaho man retook a Guinness World Records title, retook a Guinness World Records title by walking 3,257 feet with a non-powered lawnmower balanced on his chin. David Rush, who has broken more than 200 Guinness World Records to promote STEM education, originally set the record by walking 656 feet with a non-powered lawnmower on his chin. But the record was later taken by someone who managed to walk 912 feet. <laughs> okay, can I ask a quick question? In what way is this promoting STEM education? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is the most important. <laughs> what? I. All right. Sorry. Know. Continue. We gotta get David Rush on the on the show to talk about no this. No shit. Rush said he walked two and a half laps around a track with the lawnmower balance on his chin, earning the Guinness World Record with a total of three thousand two hundred and fifty-seven feet. He was only seven meters or twenty-three feet short of hitting his personal goal of one kilometer or three thousand two hundred and eighty point eight four feet. I wish I could have finished those last seven meters, but I'm happy with the results. Rush said. We've talked about this guy. This is at least the third time that we've talked about this guy. <laughs> I, of all the records that you could come up with. Now, this motherfucker came up with this. I'm going to balance a lawnmower on my chin and walk as far as possible. And he did it. Called up Guinness. They're like, yep, that's a world record. Congratulations, David Rush. And then somebody else out there was like, you know what? Fuck that guy. I can do better than this. And then beat his world record. So we had to go back and reclaim it. All what? in the name of STEM education. All for STEM education. <laughs> you know, I, I want to know what this guy does. Like, what's his job? Is, I think this is what he does. Like, I think how does he, he make money? I think he promotes this. And is, it, is he getting money? I'm, from this but then again too if he's doing this promote stem education how the hell is this promoting outside of raising money for programs how is this promoting stem education because some of this shit probably has to take a lot of time to like practice no shit i mean we've talked about how many ridiculous things that he's done what, the what, balloon what, the balloon popping or something with the balloon and what was the one where he was balancing shit uh oh he does he does a lot of that shit like the one was like what was that one one was it was like on like a like a medicine ball or something and he had to do he had to like juggle samurai swords on a medicine ball or something some shit like that but remember. how do you even come up with this shit i have no idea this is the third time we talked about this guy he does have a pretty interesting youtube channel Anyways, I, I really can't. Yeah, I, I, we I could, we could talk guy. about this all night. We could talk about this guy. <laughs> we could do an entire episode on him. Shit, you know what? For our main topic, maybe this guy, Guinness World Record Breaker. That's a pretty, you know what I mean? Yeah, no shit. For our, for our main topic? Yeah, we'll get there. Anyways, what else you got today for news? So this is another one from our favorite, UPI on News. Okay, I think I got this one. New Jersey, yep. animal control officer called to capture fake parrot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised you're running this one. This one's pretty good. Police in New Jersey said an animal control officer responding to a report of a parrot on the loose in a wooded area arrived to find an alleged avian was actually decorative ceramic bird. Was a decorative ceramic bird. The Princeton Police Department said local resident Tim Lynch contacted his nephew, a sergeant in the department, when he spotted what appeared to be someone's escaped pet parrot perched on a tree in a wooded area. Okay, first of all, if you, if you saw a parrot perched on a tree in a wooded area, why the fuck would you care? It's according, a bird. It's a bird. According to Tim Lynch, he thought it was a it was an escaped pet. Unbelievable. Let the thing go. Animal control officer Jim Ferry was dispatched to the scene, and Lynch took him to where he had spotted the exact bird. The two of us were walking back there, not wanting to scare away, so it, it flies away. As we got closer, I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, this poor thing is dead." <laughs> Lynch told WPVI-TV, we're about two feet away. He's about to throw the net over it. <laughs> and he goes, it's fake. The police department said in a Facebook post that the bird, the supposed bird was a direct decorative ceramic parrot. We have a saying in animal control that a sick or injured animal is very easy to catch. And this one was probably the easiest catch I've ever had. <laughs> the department said the faux parrot is being lovingly cared for at the police station until an owner comes forward to claim it. <laughs> so this is a ceramic decorative parrot. I think we can call UPI odd news, UPI dumb news at this point. Literally. That is, the, <laughs> that is the dumbest thing that I've read. See, now there's a couple questions here sure. with this case. Where we got? So is this just a random wooded area? <laughs> I never even thought about that when I read the okay. article. I have no idea. Who, who wanders into a random wooded area and just places a ceramic parrot on a tree? And then leaves that, and leaves it there for someone to find. That's a good question. I have a feeling that there's somebody trying to mess with Tim Lynch. <laughs> Who's doing this? <laughs> Number two, Tim Lynch doesn't have a lot going on. If his first phone call is to his nephew who works for the police department, hey, we got a parrot out here. <laughs> Send your best guys out here to help out. Literally. Number three, this guy's animal control that came in. It was a different guy than this guy's nephew. Animal control comes in. How long were they standing there observing this thing before <laughs> they decided to move in? Because there's no way that they were just going to jump right in. They were going to plan this out a little bit. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been around a parrot. I've been around. I've, I've been actually around a talked. To, I've t- actually talked to a parrot. Paige, Paige and I have talked to a parrot before. Yeah, we talked about this on episode forty-three of our show. Yeah, and um, they move quite a bit. They're very. You know how birds are. They're, sure. They're very quick. They're very twitchy. Skittish. Yes, they're very skittish. So if they're standing there observing this bird, trying to figure out, you know, if this thing is dead or alive. Yeah. How long did it take them to notice that it wasn't moving at all? That's what I can't figure out. I mean, they made the determination that it was dead. I feel like a ceramic parrot, a dead, it was not going to look like a dead bird. You know what I mean? And it probably wouldn't be standing, standing up. Upright. It would upright. probably be on the ground. That's a dead bird that's still just standing upright <laughs> looking alive. Usually they're on the ground and they're sprawled out or something. Yeah. So I don't know. That was one of the dumber news stories that we've covered. And obviously I had yeah. the same one ready to go. So Absolutely hilarious. I'm not surprised that we both ended up bringing that one to the table. Sure. Do you have anything more you want to cover with that one? Nope, that's it for that one. I I have a feeling that Tim Lynch is not going to be getting phone calls, or his his nephew's not going to be answering the phone. Probably not. As often after making that phone call. Now, this is my last news story. Sure. This one's going to come from the New York Post. I saw this one on a bunch of different places, though. Nice. Rod Stewart fills in potholes near home so his Ferrari can get through. <laughs> now, we've talked about Rod Stewart on the show before. Yes. One of our favorite guys. Yeah. Now, this is Rod Stewart. This isn't Barry Manilow. I wouldn't be surprised if Barry Manilow showed up to help. Well, they're the same person. Pretty much. Legendary British rocker Sir Rod Stewart took it upon himself to fill in the potholes near his home in England after he couldn't get his Ferrari through. The Maggie May singer posted videos to his Instagram on Friday of him in a neon high-vis safety vest shoveling asphalt fall out of the back of a truck into large wet potholes. Several pals are seen working alongside Stuart in Harlow, Essex, about an hour outside the center of London. This is the state of the roads near where I live in Harlow, and it's been like this for ages. People are bashing the cars up, Stuart said. I probably should have been reading that with a British accent because he's a British guy. Mm-hmm. He complained that the government had been putting millions of pounds into the nearby M11 highway while neglecting this road. Millions of pounds? Millions of pounds, eh? That wasn't right. That was fucking Canadian. <laughs> Fuck. And the other day, there was an ambulance for the first time. My party can't get through here at all. So me and the boys thought we'd come out here and do it ourselves, said Stuart, who released his latest album, The Tears of Hercules, last year. He has scheduled tours for the U.S. and Canada to kick off in June. We're going to have to go see him. Sure. Rod Stewart. He's a hero. He had the biggest concert ever in history. Really? Yep. Rod Stewart, of all people. Yeah. I feel like like, Garth Brooks would be that winner, but I guess not. I don't know about that. I can't imagine. Could you imagine just driving down the road and you see like a famous person? (laughs) Filling in potholes. Yeah, they they gotta bring they gotta bring Rod Stewart to the plant. When, the... when my dad lived in Atlanta and he worked, he was a manager and he was running a cashier. And Elton John walked in by himself. Are you shitting me? Bought some shit. And my dad cashed him out. That's unreal. Didn't didn't say anything. Nothing. Just treated him like a normal dude. That's crazy. <laughs> Literally rang out Elton John. I had a few famous people. I had the former mayor come through. He had to return a filing cabinet because it was all dented up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't too happy with us. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who else. I had a few famous people, a few people from the news and whatnot. Yeah, well, yeah I had a, I had an NFL. I had a player for the Steelers come through once. Nice. He wasn't playing for the Steelers at the time. But sure. Anyways, that's all I got with that news story. That's uh, Rod Stewart. I got, I got one more. It's, re- it's really stupid. Here we go. This is another one from our favorite wow. UPI ad news. We had four UPI ad news stories <laughs> this week. NC woman allowed to keep fart. License plate, but not on her truck. Oh, yeah, I saw this one. This one's kind of dumb. A North Carolina woman who has been fighting to be allowed to keep her fart license plate said the Division of Motor Vehicles told her she can keep the plate, just not on her vehicle. I hate government. Me too. Carly Sydney of Asheville said she originally applied for her fart and vanity plate as a joke, and she was surprised when the requested plate arrived in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy later received a letter from the DMV saying the plate had been issued in error as fart is among the letter and number combinations banned by the state. <laughs> Wait, issued in error? What yes, are they like issued parachute in it, parachute it down? Yeah, literally. The DMV gave Cindy the opportunity to appeal the decision <laughs> leading <laughs> leading her to found the local group 
Friends of Asheville Recreational Talks or Fart. Oh my God. To help commu- <laughs> I started sounding it out for a second. That's pretty funny. That's so funny. To help convince local officials to let her keep the plate. Cindy said she filed her appeal. And the DMV responded by saying she could keep the plate, but it wouldn't be legal license plate for her truck anymore. Oh, my God. They said, they said, I can't keep the plate on the truck, but if I keep the plate in my possession and do what I want with it, and they said that since they refused to fart for other people, they couldn't allow it for this either. Cindy told WLOS-TV, I, really, I was really hoping they would just take fart off the list because it's not a bad word, but you know it didn't happen. If I were her, I'd be lawyering up at this point. <laughs> fart held an event Sunday, and more than a dozen <laughs> people showed up to Richmond Hill Park in Asheville to celebrate the saga of Cindy's license plate. Oh, my God. Cindy said she plans to continue hosting fart events, even though the saga of her license plate has ended. I hope we can continue to meet and maybe do a little celebration for a little memorial service for the license plate plate at the local bar or something she said that's the end of the okay that's that's infinitely better than what i thought it was gonna be when i saw the headline that's why i didn't even <laughs> i didn't even read the news story i didn't even look at it this tells you that anybody will just follow anything yeah that's funny Fr- friends of Asheville recreational <laughs> troop trail trail whatever that's so funny that, that that was pretty good that was a good segment now we got to get our late night wrap up in real quick sure. we kind of forgot to do that ahead of time go ahead i got a couple of things i got to wrap up first of all it was the the superhumans episode mm-hmm. i was talking about rain man i was talking about dustin hoffman playing rain man mm-hmm. i said dennis hoffman twice <laughs> i didn't even say dustin hoffman i kept on calling him dennis hoffman oh my god so i don't know what the hell that was about now tim tim picked up on that one really quick and he corrected me on that one good and job the other tim. one too Going back to that news story that you ran, your first news story last week with the five-year-old that beat up the teacher. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a rough news story. Like, that was, it was ridiculous. Like, I couldn't figure out how the hell this was allowed to happen. Literally. And I don't like making fun of people that are getting beaten up, but this one kind of had it coming based on what was going on. I did some more research on this one. Mm-hmm. This is like the third time that that kid has put her in the hospital. I'm not even joking. This is just the most me? severe incident. <laughs> so something is not working in this school district to where this woman keeps getting isolated with this kid because this yeah. is not a new thing. Like, this is a serious problem. So obviously I feel bad because she, at least she's trying. At least she's trying to do her job and she's, like, gutting it out a little bit. But this is this is out of hand. This one's out of control. This is not the first time that she even got put in the hospital Why? with this kid. Oh. I guess the whole thing started. It was a group of preschoolers. This is a preschool level class, basically. Yeah. They were just throwing everything, throwing the furniture around the classroom, throwing their chairs up, flipping over all the tables, just going ballistic. God damn. She tried to get the, the, the instigator out of the room, at least. And then this is what ended up happening. It was ridiculous. Like, once I started reading more about it, it's like, holy shit. That is unreal. What the fuck is going on here? They got to get some. Uh... Feel bad for teachers. Yeah, it's it's not easy. But you see, like, even in, like, like the mental hospital, there's always those big ass guys that are kind of the enforcers basically yeah you kind of need that type of thing in these schools i'm thinking yeah because this isn't this isn't a safe work environment for anybody literally if this little five-year-old dynamo is going to destroy these teachers like this destroy the classroom this is ridiculous so potentially hurt other kids exactly that's that's it's a huge ass problem but i just wanted to kind of cover that real quick i feel there's probably some people are pissed off at us for running that one because it's kind of rough sure but i just couldn't believe that i couldn't believe a a grown adult would get beaten up by a five-year-old yeah we also had some some complaints about the boon chewy news story with the guy that got his his thing shot with the harpoon do you remember that one oh yeah we got (laughs) some people weren't too happy with that one so i thought that was a good news story i thought that was funny who wasn't happy about that uh, well, a couple of listeners but whatever oh boy whatever i thought that was a good news story i, I thought, thought, I thought we had to tell a story we had to tell a story definitely now do you have anything you want to wrap up before we get into the main topic nope i think i'm all set awesome now we've done your episode probably six of the last seven but this is gonna be another ben episode this week ah, this is a big shit. one this is a really good topic though this is pat's episode guys don't let him fool you ben what is the main topic this week Odd occupations. Odd occupations. And what's funny is it was like kind of like strange jobs. It was kind of what we were talking about originally. And then we were like... Yeah, just kind of weird jobs you might not know about or or are just, just kind of ridiculous, unnecessary. Sure. Well, if there was a word. Oh, obscure op- occupations was the other thing I was thinking of. I couldn't come up with a word today for some reason. Sure. Obscure is probably what I was thinking about. So these are jobs that are kind of... Maybe you've heard of them, but you don't know the details or just kind of weird-ass shit. So... Sure. I'll tell you what, Ben. You want to get started with this one? 
I'll get started. Awesome. So my first one. So you've heard of a CEO, right? You know what a CEO is? Yes. That's a chief, chief executive, executive officer, right? Officer. Now there's there's other titles and you know shit like the that. COO, the COO. The CFO. Have you ever heard of the CLO? Chief legal officer? No. I don't know. This is called the chief listening officer. This is not a real thing. Chief listening officers specialize in monitoring both external and internal communications about organizations. Their primary focus is on gathering information on customers and employees in order to develop ways for an organization to enhance their relationships with both. Feedback attained by chief listening officers allows organizations to gauge how they are doing and implement environments. Chief listening officers play an integral role in developing an organization's marketing campaigns and overall business strategy. Median salary for a CLO in 2020 was $185,950. Yamahama. So I feel like a lot of companies have people like this. They're just not called CLOs. They're just something else. But I've never heard of a chief listening officer in my life. Me neither. This is brand new this. I had to Google it, and it's a legit thing. I used to just call them stalkers. Sure. But I guess it's legit. I had to look it up, and it's... They're real. You know, so probably, <laughs> sorry with, with uh, what's his face, uh, Zuckerman, Zuckerberg. Sure. That's probably where it started because he's probably when, got a bunch of CLOs running I, around with Meta. When I when I first hit, like, saw it, I was like, is this someone that's just kind of lets somebody vent to them? That's what I thought. up in the company. I was thinking, like, <laughs> like, when the company fucks up and they have to get negative press. It's like the person you put on the stage yeah. to listen and apologize, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what, what I was thinking. I was thinking, too. So I kind of had to get into it, and then I realized, oh, it's just kind of like a normal job. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never heard of it before, so I was like, fuck it, I'll run it. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Sure, what do you got? Now, this one's going to be a little bit different, and this is something I've read about for a while. And could you, okay, I'm going to frame this up real quick. There is a guy out there that works two days a year, okay? Okay. He works once every six months. He works for one day. Okay. He gets paid $20,000 each day, so he makes $40,000 a year. Okay. And his job is to change a light bulb. Okay, yeah. That's all he does. Mm-hmm. Now, in Salem, South Dakota, or right around Salem, South Dakota, there's a TV antenna tower for a network called KDLT TV, which I'm not sure if we ever used that one before. I don't think we ever have. I don't think so. That is 1,500 feet tall, over 1,500 feet tall. And they have a second one that's almost 2,000 feet tall. Yeah. This one that this guy climbs is 1,500 feet tall. The problem with the and this antenna isn't even being used anymore. I, don't, I just don't think they have a plan to get rid of it because how the hell do you take down a 1,500 <laughs> foot tall TV tower? But with aircraft flying around they need something to show where the tower is so the aircraft aren't going to crash in definitely there's one light bulb at the top and every six months a guy named kevin schmidt climbs up the damn tower <laughs> and changes the light bulb i think i've i've seen those videos of people changing those it's yeah absolutely insane most of it is going to be this guy doing it on this tower he gets paid twenty thousand dollars each time it takes him all day to get up there and yeah, all, no obviously all day to come back down. He's got a, hell, a whole bunch of gear up there as well to make sure that, number one, he's safe. And number two, he can do any repairs he needs to do on, on the way. He's a highly specialized technician. Yeah, I But his primary, his primary job is to bring the new light bulb up there and swap it out. And when he gets up to the top, he takes a selfie from 1,500 feet up in open air. And I guess all he does is the little clip thing where he kind of clips his way up. Mm-hmm. That's really all he does for safety. Unbelievable. I couldn't. Now, I'm not really that scared of fights. I feel like I would do okay with that type of job. But I'd probably also fall off. So, you know, that's a situation where I'm not going to say shit until I'm in that situation. Sure. I could not even begin to fathom being that high up that in, high up in open air in open that's the thing in open air and there you, you really there's not really another solution like how the hell do you change this light bulb this is the only way to do it is to send some asshole yeah. up there basically like there's you could, i'd have to be paid 50 grand every yeah. six months to do that shit yeah i i kind of i'm with you with that one that's crazy as shit i couldn't do that now the other thing too is the this the hazards that are available so it's got to be perfect weather if it's windy it's game over if it's lightning out yeah. fuck it forget it you're dead yeah you're not even the it. rain that could be become a serious problem up there if you fall you're dead oh yeah absolutely you're dead exactly (laughs) so that's that's a pretty interesting job that's crazy kevin schmidt he's got his own youtube channel everything with this but it's pretty cool uh you know pretty cool and he only works once every six months i mean that'd be the dream he probably does something else honestly yeah i think he does i think he does more with like the area he's like a project manager or something but sure so he's getting this 40k just for these two days of work basically fuck it like I would live on that. I just do whatever. Like I do more podcasts in my free time or whatever. Depends where you lived. If you if you still lived here, you could probably get away with it. Yeah, you could DoorDash, get some supplemental income in, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, 
Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I like that pretty one. Pretty interesting. I only have a few more. I didn't really get a ton with this one, but... I have like four or five. Yeah, we'll see what else you got. So, you ever heard of a fake executive? Yes, I have. Isn't that something that they do in China? Yeah, this is a common trend in China. I thought this was kind of funny. <laughs> this and is ridiculous. There's a CNBC article about a guy that did this, and he kind of talks about his experience. I thought this would be a good job for me. Yeah. So there's a trend in China where companies are hiring fake executives. So basically, <laughs> these phony executives are paid to like attend public functions, walk around like office and factory floors and like inspect shit and stuff. And they even give speeches all to basically look convincing to employees and other companies that had they have deep connections with like Western powers. Oh my and god. Other, so you're basically there just to. You're just an actor, basically. You're you're an actor, basically. Now this CNBC article about this dude, he he said that he was paid like a thousand dollars a week to do this, and he had all expenses paid for, his food, transportation, everything. And he said most of the time they were sitting up in an office for hours. He was there with another dude, and they were sitting up in this office for literally hours doing nothing but. <laughs> Like reading magazines and sleeping and shit, and every now and then they would be sent out to make an appearance somewhere. Oh my god! Like go to some VIP dinner or go to some fucking factory or some shit like that. The Chinese have it figured out. <laughs> this is so, this is I, ridiculous. Like this, like they're they're investing a decent amount of money into this. A lot of money. So it must be working. <laughs> For it's, it's some it must be working in some degree. So I mean, it's pretty funny. In a lot of cultures, it is. It's all about keeping up appearances, and it doesn't really matter. You could have the perfect product if you can't keep up appearances. It doesn't matter. Literally, this is solving the problem. So this would be fantastic. You're getting paid a thousand dollars a week to you, do nothing. And you don't have to pay to for any expenses. And you don't have to do anything. You just got to look. They probably pay for your clothing. They probably got probably got <laughs> yeah. some assistant and those stylists and everything. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Just sitting around doing nothing. It's the fantastic. Entire time. Now you probably need to have some good acting skills, and I'm assuming if you're because like so, sometimes it involves like talking deals and stuff. Yeah, you might need to know a little bit of Mandarin. you know. Well, maybe that, but you need to know how to speak well. Sure. And you'd probably need to know a little bit about the company you're working for if you're going to give speeches and well, shit. Well, you could put that all on flashcards. Yeah, but still, you know what I mean? I mean, shit, you're sitting around doing nothing. You just study up a little bit. That's not too hard. Yeah. Anyways. I thought that was funny. That's a pretty good one. And that's one I was going to do a little bit more research on if I had time. I didn't have the time for that one. That was, I'm happy we got that one in. That was a good one. Sure. Now, we're also going to be sticking in Asia with this one. Are you familiar with the Oshia? Oshia? In Japan. These are the Japanese train pushers. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with... I've seen this. Southeastern Asia. Yeah. They started off... They got Got, nat- or got international attention in 1964 in the Tokyo Olympics when people there, especially in the media, noticed that on these trains, the commuter trains that the Japanese employed, they would get kind of overpacked with people. And there were these guys with white gloves that would, once the train was full and they was getting ready to depart, they would push the people into the train to make sure that the doors closed. That's, yeah. That's literally their entire job. That's unbelievable. Now, back in the 60s and 70s, these trains would run up to like 220% of their normal planned capacity. So they were just packing people in however the hell they could. What I can't figure out, and I guess this isn't as much of a trend in Japan anymore because there's fewer commuters, there's fewer people traveling as much. I think Japan's population has kind of shot up in age, like average age. Mm-hmm. So there's not as many people working, so it isn't as big of a problem these days. There are still like in Tokyo during rush hour, you might still see this on occasion. These people are out there pushing people into these trains. It's not as bad because they've redesigned the trains. They've redesigned uh, other things. So they run at like 186% of <laughs> capacity <laughs> instead of 220. That's why half the damn virus breakouts Shit. happen in freaking Asia. Well, China China still has this. This is a regular thing in a couple of the biggest cities in China. Yeah, no they shit. Still got, they still got to go with this type of thing. Doesn't surprise me. But could you imagine your job is just pushing people in? Like, there's got to be... <laughs> and that's the other thing, too, is it's, it's there is no personal space in those cultures. That's not a thing. Literally. They literally live on top of each other the entire time. I couldn't do that. Me neither. I would have such a hard time with that. I'd have, I don't like people touching me as it is. Having this guy just pushing me into this thing, forget <laughs> it. I wouldn't care. 
I'd go. I'd walk everywhere. You'd have some pretty solid pecs and forearms and yeah. shit. All that pushing all day. These guys are pretty. They're, they're pretty. Yeah, they're pretty bet. jacked up. I mean, you gotta be. Now, what I can't figure out is there had to be a point in time where these people running these train companies were like, "We have got a problem. There are too many people on these trains, and people are getting hurt." There's had to have been a situation where a door closed halfway on a person, and the train took off, and the body got dismembered or something. There had to have been some ridiculous scenarios that were happening regularly. Well, how has how is like you know suffocation not happening? The other thing too, like heart attacks, like shit, that would happen. Like I can guarantee you, they try to do that in America. Half the people on the on the fucking train are dead from a heart attack or Literally. a stroke or a asthma attack or something. I mean, how many people died from suffocation at that Travis Scott concert? Travis Scott which concert. Nobody else was talking about. That just kind of disappeared really quickly. Like you're telling me that this shit doesn't happen on trains like this? I can't imagine how it doesn't. It's the same situation. But these executives sat down and they were like, "We have a problem on our hands," and the solution that they came up with was, "Well, let's bring these guys in and just push." <laughs> we're not gonna go no we're not gonna limit the number of people on the train we're not gonna unbelievable we're not gonna make bigger trains for 30 40 years their solution was we'll just push them in they probably have one guy at either side so there's probably some asshole in the middle of the train who showed up on time because he's a responsible adult that's just getting squished from both sides <laughs> because you got one asshole pushing from one side and one guy pushing from the other oh uh, you imagine all these people in can you imagine being the guy in the middle of the train yeah that's what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> fucking dead You'd be, that would just be, oh, like, man. your head would pop off or something. Like a fucking dandelion. Exactly. Oh, it'd be rough. Anyways, that's the Oshia. That was a pretty good one. That's funny. What else you got? So, have you ever wondered who writes fortune cookies? Who writes the little fortunes on the in the fortune cookies? I thought that was, like, a magical event. No. There's actual writers. Now, how there. the hell do they get the fortune in there? They just kind of slide it in? I'm assuming. Oh, okay. But it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how to become a fortune cookie. Or do they bake the cookie around the piece of paper? I don't think so. Okay. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So... I never knew how serious it was to become a fortune cookie oh, writer. Yeah, it was probably like a so program. A, a fortune cookie writer must have excellent communication and writing skills. Sure. They should write original and creative messages, so they need to be good at conveying their creativity across a few, very few words. Fortune cookies are used for promotions and marketing. The more creative the cookies, the more amused people will be. Now, uh, a cookie writer writes the fortunes in those cookies and sells them to firms for an income. So most fortune cookie writers are like... Freelance? Freelance writers. No or you, you might work for a company, but that's kind of rare. Because most of fortune cookie writers are self-employed writers. They work from home. This is suitable for them so they can have their own setting that will help them uh, best to think and write. Now, you need a degree to become a writer. The training is required and usually imparted by a senior fortune cookie writer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apprentices or juniors learn how to write from them before embarking on their own journey. This is insane to me. It's not surprising, though. I honestly, you know what I thought? I thought they were just all, like, computer-generated. <laughs> <freaks>. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but in, I didn't know that actual writers are sitting at home coming up with these honestly yeah i wouldn't i was kind of think it was generated too. They, they must have a good sense of humor and great creativity to write those lines so that the patrons of the establishment can enjoy the experience of eating the cookies the average salary for a fortune fortune cookie writer in 2008 was fifty three thousand and seventy dollars fuck it i've been looking for a new job <laughs> But it can be based on your experience and skill. The lowest paid ones earned less than $28,020. But the highest paid earned more than $106,630. I could do this. I can honestly got to do this. It's unbelievable. You got to have a fucking degree. You, 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 that's unbelievable. All that. You got to be trained by a senior fortune cookie writer. I can imagine like walking into this guy's like office and it's like some like Zen karate <laughs> arena or something. <laughs> Like, you must learn the ways of the fortune. Literally. Uh, that's like some good you shit. Just walk into some guy's office. He's got papers and shit everywhere. Like a scholar. He's got books up and down the wall. <laughs> I can imagine. He just, like, <laughs> like, like, he, like, attacks you with some, like, karate moves. And he just, like, he pins you down and he says, five words right now. Five words right now. He got to spit out, like, <laughs> some, like, fortune. <laughs> like, no good. And he, like, whacks you on the head with, like, a katana or something. Literally. Numchuck. That's uh, insane. That, that's a pretty good one. That's funny. Yep. Trying to think of what else I got. Go ahead. I've got through my good ones already. Um, okay, there's a guy in the UK whose job it is to watch paint dry. <laughs> Did you see this one? 
uh-huh. he uh, he's hired by paint companies and he spends his day painting like pieces of cardboard basically with different like new paint mixtures and whatever. And among other things, his job is to watch them dry and to see how quickly it takes for them to dry and then check to see like if the texture changes or if the color changes after it's dry and what kind of things you can expect with a new paint. But his job is literally to watch paint dry. Bug Think it. about that. Bug That'd be a pretty good job. Like you have to be like detail oriented probably. You gotta be able to write some reports, but I don't know, I thought it was pretty good. That's all yeah. I got with that one. I mean if you're able to like kinda listen to earbuds while you're doing that, that wouldn't be that bad. See I don't know. Like, you don't, you gotta you don't, you don't have to listen to anything. You don't have to hear anything. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know? Yeah. That seemed like a fun a pretty interesting job though. I I'd, I'd be into that. I'd be like hardcore into that shit. It'd be like the easiest money you ever made in your life. Pretty much. <laughs> Anyways, what else you got? So I think I feel like I could do this. It would be hard because I was base. I-, I basically did this. Sure. A bed rest participant for NASA. Yeah, I've seen these before. We'll pay you nineteen thousand bucks to stay in bed for two months. I'd have a hard time with that. It's rough. So basically, they they want to do research on the body that reacts to weightlessness and sure. how to create methods to counteract the impacts of weightlessness. Um, participants will live in a single room in a research facility, eating, washing, showering, going to the toilet, leisure activities, everything will be placed lying down. So you're basically laying down for two months straight. I couldn't imagine shitting laying down. I thought like that would be a problem for me. Anyways, that's all you got with that one? Yep. Perfect. Now I got two more real quick ones. This one, you're not, I can't even believe I'm doing this one. Pet food taster. I saw this one. Apparently there are companies out there that hire people to taste pet food. Now, there really isn't much more to it than that. But could you imagine like you're on like like a like a blind date or something and you're talking with this person. It's like, oh, well, what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah, I'm a pet food taster. You see that Neutrogena, whatever the fuck dog food that they make? Neutrogena? This is not a dog food brand. Isn't it like a fucking face wash? <laughs> Nutria. Neutrogena. Uh, it's, it's a, that's a dog food brand. Neutrogena? Yeah. It's like nutrients. Are you serious? Nutrients for the dog. Neutrogena is acne stress control. <laughs> What the fuck am I thinking of? Then? I don't know what you. I'm. I thought it was like a face cream. What am I thinking of then? Uh, it, Neutrogena. It's like a. It's Neutrogena is a skincare company. They make all sorts of product for skincare. I forgot what the hell I was thinking of. Natural balance. No. Nature's recipe. Maybe. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, yes. Anyways, could you imagine being the dog food taster or the, or the cat food? Like you ever see the little cans like tuna or whatever? You got a freaking oh my god, that would be so disgusting. Now, why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? What are they tasting for? I have no idea. What are the credentials that are necessary to become a dog food taster, a pet food taster? Like I don't know. You'd have to pay me a significant amount of money to do this. Yeah, that'd be a six figure salary. At least. I didn't. I didn't know that dog food was made for human. I didn't. I didn't think that we could eat dog food like that. Well, I mean, food's food. I guess it all goes goes in and out the same way. I guess pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. It's disgusting. Yeah, I can't imagine actually doing the show. That's probably the toughest one on my list. I feel like I could do all the other. Do you imagine bringing your boyfriend home to your parents? Oh, so what do you do for work? Yeah, I eat dog food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or it's like they're filling out the dog bowl. Like, oh yeah, that's the good stuff right there. Ooh, that's just a little bit too salty. So, what does your wife do for work? Yeah, she uh, she does, she she she, she eats cat's food. She eats Scooby snacks. Now, where this is just says pet food. There's got to be some limiting standards on this one. Is there somebody that eats like the fish flakes? <laughs> taste those you ever see those those, yeah. those flakes yeah or uh the bird pellets or whatever the fuck they eat i don't know if birds eat bird seed i guess they eat bird seed yeah you know you know those dog treats like the the sticks with the yeah. swirl those actually look kind of fucking like good. i would like even like the dog like the like the bone like the it's kind of like a cookie but it's like a bone yeah i'd fuck that up actually i i think i probably had a cookie yeah. of those as a kid yeah for sure anyways do you have any more i have one more it's awesome quick. i got one more as well you ever heard of a gumologist yeah, I saw something with this one, but I didn't get into it. Now, this shit's serious, too. Uh-oh. Now, requiring folks with palates discriminating enough to distinguish between strawberry flavors that are, like, green, gritty, or jammy. Gumologists undergo six months of training, learning how to ta- how to rate tastes, proper terminology, and even how to participate in tasting panels without affecting others' opinions. Sure. Now, I feel like most of them work alongside gum scientists, and they spend countless hours trying to perfect the taste of 
you know, our favorite gum out there. Sure. A gum taster provides valuable feedback that helps the gumologist tweak and taste through the various stages of gum development. Oh, my God. So, and they actually make a lot of money. They actually make a decent amount of money. So, you said there's like six months of training. <laughs> you to fucking do this shit. So, I have a feeling that our pet food tasters are probably like filled out at gumology school. Literally. They're like, yeah, you're not good enough for the gum. You're stuck eating dog food. Literally. <laughs> Anyways, that's pretty good. Gumologist. Now, it doesn't surprise me. Like, there's so many focus groups for all these little products and everything. Like, there was one that I saw. I didn't get into it, but it's, like, deodorant sniffer. Like, <laughs> yeah. people apply the deodorant, and then there's people that walk through and smell it just to see what it smells like. There was a um, paper towel sniffer. Yeah, I saw that one, too. Again. <laughs> I don't know. That's now, we're, we're going to be taking a completely different avenue with my last one. Sure. This is probably the coolest shop of all time. Airplane Repo Man. That's pretty ever, sweet. Ever see that show on Discovery Channel, Airplane Repo? Uh-uh. It's, it had uh, Mike Rowe narrating it for a while. I like Mike Rowe. Yeah. He's uh, he's a pretty good narrator. It's basically, you think of like the Repo Man, like the car Repo Man. We see them all the time at work, yep. taking people that don't pay their bills on the car. Yep. I guess in the private jet industry, it's a problem where people buy a private jet without actually paying the payments on it. Damn. And banks have these specialized guys that are airplane Repo Men. Now, usually these are like planes that are pushing a million dollars in value. And these guys get paid usually between like five and six figures per job or close to it, depending on, I guess it depends on the plane. Per job? Yeah. Wow. Just to recover the plane. Now, the thing with the private plane industry is there's a lot of private airports that aren't really don't really have public access. So if you're landing your plane, you're flying your plane from a private airport to a private airport, how the hell are you actually going to get in the airport to repossess these things? Like the right. law enforcement, that's not really a law enforcement job to do private repossessions. Maybe you'd have to fly in. So, well, the shenanigans that these people go through to try to get into these airports is off the wall. Now, the, now the show is it is kind of staged a little bit. Like there are parts where it's kind of like over. Like all the timing is kind of fucked up for uh, just for the drama's sake, basically. Sure. But like the Discovery Channel show follows like three or four different repro crews. Some guys are doing it by themselves. Some guys are like a team. And so, I, how exactly do they take the plane? Well, these guys are all trained pilots. They're all, like, licensed. They all got a lot of flying credentials under their record. So, like, you'll see, and they have to come up with a different scheme, basically, to get into the airport and to get access to the plane. Usually they pretend to be a mechanic or they pretend to be a friend of the pilot or something just to get past the initial security. The one guy, uh, I can't remember what the deal was, but there's a, there's a kind of, like, a hot chick that was doing this type of shit. She would always just, like, flirt with the security guys and let the other guy just kind of sneak through, basically. I feel like this is bullshit. This is a real job. 100% is a real thing. You can't really con your way into a fucking airport nowadays. Well, it was, I guess this was. And this how was, are they going to let you take off if you're not the actual pilot? It, it, that's what the show's about. It's all about answering these, these logistical questions. But it's, it is, <laughs> it is ridiculous. It is like absolutely what? ridiculous. <laughs> like, they, they, a lot of these guys can just bullshit their way into all this. Like, oh, well, I'm the owner of this plane or I'm the friend of this guy. Because isn't there a process before takeoff? Yes, and they, that's so, what they have to do. They have to go through the entire process. They have to do all the, pre, the pre-op the pre inspections. they got to run all the diagnostics. they got to find the flight log. The flight log, finding the flight log is like one of the biggest things that they have to figure out how to do. They have to get the keys to the fucking plane in a lot of instances. And all these are private hangers, so they got to get the fucking hangar doors open. And there's a lot of, like, hacking and... Like hot wiring shit going on. It's ridiculous. And there's a lot these of these are like felonies we're talking about here. But this is repossession. You mean hacking. This is this is repossession. So you can technically do this. So why can't you just say, hey, why can't they just go up to the airport to the fucking manager and because be like, we need to take this plane, we're repossessing it. Because if it's a private airport, the owners of the planes are paying the security. They're paying everybody. It, it's not it, public. It, but they're not paying for the plane. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I feel like it could be easily done with some good negotiation. Apparently not. Apparently it takes it takes <laughs> like, all this hoodwinking. Like like what? Like why is it so difficult? If you can find the show, I don't know. Like, where what the do show's they do? At. They they sneak around the back in yes. the woods. Like they will literally like jump over fences. Some of these guys will. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then they show up on the they show up on the plane, and the security's like, "How the fuck did you guys get there?" Exactly. We we have to arrest you. You're trespassing. Right, nope. Nope. We're taking you. We're taking off. Uh, they have had the cops like arrest them on the tarmac before. Like the one guy, like he gets arrested on every episode. Basically, They're like, no, I'm a repo man. I'm a repo man. He has to pro- he has to produce all his credentials there, or else he's gonna get booked. And a lot of times, these guys do end up getting booked. So what what happens to them when they land? 
in the next airport? Wouldn't it, they be fucking arrested? It depends. There have been times where they've been waiting for them at the airport. The cops have been like waiting for them as they've landed. A lot of times they have like a friendly airport that they can get to or the bank has somebody else helping them out or whatever. Now, do they have paperwork to get out of the situation? Yes, they're supposed to. Why don't they just have show the paperwork in the first place? Because the, the security doesn't give a shit. But if you have paperwork, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But then again, too... He, like he, that's the first thing think, I would think, do. think about it. Think about it this way. Say you wanted to come and repossess my TV at my house. Okay. If I got a gun, I'm saying, nope, you're not getting in there. Sorry. Okay. But this is, you have to go with some is, more this muscle. Is, this you is your I mean? house. This is different. This is a different situation. Not really. It is though. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I guess. But, but that's, that's funny though. That's ridiculous. And I'm trying to think if the show is streaming anywhere. It is worth watching. It's kind of like watching, like, it's kind of like GTA to an extent, like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, no shit. That's hilarious. It is It is kind of a fun show. Now it is a little bit staged, and the episodes are kind of the same. Once you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all, basically. But to me, it, it was an entertaining show. My father used to watch this one a lot. It was one of his favorites. It's funny. I'll have to check that out. Airplane Repo. And the guys are absolute characters. Like, there's three teams that I know for sure, and there's I think there's a couple of other teams that kind of show up here and there. But you guys are like... They're like, yeah, it's like a con artist slash pilot slash mechanic slash thief, basically, all tied up in one. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a pretty good show. And it's a, it's an adrenaline rush because you don't know if these guys are going to pull this shit off. There's all sorts of things that have to go right. And if one thing goes wrong, it fucks up everything. So it's pretty good. That's Airplane funny. repo. I'll have to check that out. If I were a pilot, that would be my, that would be like my, my pinnacle job, like my career. Wonder how you get, how you, wonder how you get that job. You got a lot of balls. I guess. You gotta have a lot of flying hours underneath, and you just gotta be willing to do shit. You gotta be willing to sweet talk your way. You gotta be a, a good critical thinker and negotiate. Yeah, that too. But it, it's a pretty entertaining show. Like I'm probably gonna go home and watch a few episodes if I can find it streaming somewhere tonight. So. Nice. Anyways, that's all I have with that. Do you have anything more you want to talk about? That's all I got. Awesome. Uh, listeners have been okay. We did pretty all right. Did you listen to the Harry Potter episode yet? Not yet. I still gotta listen to it. I thought it turned out okay. Uh, I kind of fucked it up. I interrupted you like way too much <laughs> with that episode. That's all right. But it came together. It came together pretty well overall. I thought it was a pretty funny. We'll have to do a part two on that. Uh, <laughs> okay, we'll do that. We'll do that for episode nine and three quarters. There we go. <laughs> Anyways. Once once Pat reads all the books, we'll have to do another episode. Yeah, that'll be, shall, we'll, we'll be in our 40s by then. <laughs> uh, anyways, listeners have been okay. Please keep tweeting us at 30 in the, please post on Facebook. Let us know if you guys have any work to any of these odd occupations. Yeah, so if there's anything you guys felt like we should have covered on this episode, please tweet us. Please post on Facebook. Please let us know. I thought it was a pretty interesting discussion, all things considered. Yeah, I thought it was funny. If you have any airplane repo men out there, please tweet us at 30 in the, let us know how you do it. Yeah, let us know if you got, you know, if you guys are any gumologists or fortune cookie writers. Yeah, and if you do have any of these jobs, we would love to shadow you. If we can arrange that, we can get yeah. into the office or whatever, wherever you guys work, we would love to watch you do your thing. And, and tell us about your experience on our Facebook page. Definitely. And especially in a world that doesn't like to work as much, we see these anti-work people popping up everywhere. Definitely. It's good to see these people out there working hard and making things happen for themselves and really enjoying life at the end of the day. I mean, what would I mean? where would we be without gumologists and fortune cookie writers? I mean, where would we be without It people? wouldn't be as bright of a place, that's for sure. We wouldn't have good tasting gum. And what would be happening in, in Japan if we didn't have people pushing people in the trains? I mean, exactly. it would be a messy situation. A lot of people would be late for work, probably. A lot of motherfuckers wouldn't be at work. A lot of people would be dismembered and all fucked up. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be seeing limbs hanging out of doors and shit. Yeah, That'd well, be... you'd probably be seeing a lot of severed limbs, too. That'd be rough. Anyways, on that note, it's about time to get the hell out of here. So Peace. I don't yesterday. know. That's a kind of a lot of money for him. He was pretty good last year. Was he good last he year? I didn't hear anything year. about the Dolphins last year. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't good. But he was. Well, they were like borderline playoffs. But he was. He played really well. Christian Kirk, though, to the Jaguars. Yeah, and they signed Zay Jones. Now Zay Jones, he's is, pretty good. He is an actual alien. I am 100% convinced that that guy has, if he's not an alien, he's a human hybrid. He does that weird shit how he gets up. Have you seen that? Yeah, it looks it looks ridiculous. That, that's physically impossible. The way that he stands up is physically, like, you can't do that. His yeah. toe tendons have to be the strongest toe tendons in the history of the world, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. He's a superhuman. We could have, I could have talked about him. We could have talked about him on that superhumans <laughs> episode. No shit. He he's actually a good receiver too. He's not bad. He's not bad. No, he, he probably shape shifts a little bit. It probably helps him out a little bit. Probably. 
Speaking of alien receivers, you know that Sammy Watkins has publicly came out and declared himself as a reptilian alien? <laughs> You've seen that shit, haven't you? No. Oh my god. Yeah, it's I'm not even joking. Like he hundred percent he hundred percent believes that he's a he's an alien. That's fantastic. So, Good, for him. That. Good yeah. for him. At least he's being honest with us. Yeah. Now you would think a reptilian would be a little bit better at football, given his physical gifts. He'd be a little bit better than what he is, but I don't know. Anyways, what else? So Trubisky to the Steelers. Yeah. He's perfect for that five-yard dink and dunk offense. That yeah. Gonna, they're going to trot back out there this year. I think Trubisky will be a step up from last year. He's right. he's going to be better than Roethlisberger, hopefully. No, I don't know about that. I mean, when we when we played them uh, prior to this year, he fucking beat us with Roethlisberger playing. So... Got to give him that. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Trubisky. You guys played the Bills twice? No, I'm talking about when he was on the Bears. Oh, okay. Yeah. For some reason, Pittsburgh just can't fucking beat the Bears. I know we beat them this year, but every time prior to that that I can remember, we lost to the Bears. Sure. Now, that brings up another pet peeve of mine. You shouldn't say we. Are you do, you do you do you participate in the organization at all? Yes. As what? A fan. Nope. Your fan don't fan doesn't count. I've contributed to their organization as far as money. Well, you I bought, bought tickets. But are you an owner? Are you the water boy? I could be a stockholder. Are you a stockholder though? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Is people are like we. Like I could get it if you like went to the fucking college. If I've been to Heinz for, Field. If you work for the fucking team. Been to Heinz Field. Like, for me, I would never I never say, oh, we, we're the Browns. No. The Browns are the Browns. I'm just some idiot that roots for them. You know what I mean? I'm just going to keep using we because I know it makes you mad now. Perfect. You should have had it for your for our pet peeves episode. I, yeah, you know, I thought about that. I should have done that. I had, a, I had a coworker that would get so pissed off when people would do that. He was a huge sports fan. He'd be like... What the fuck constitutes these people saying we all the time? Like, where is their where is their stake? Where is their actual stake? And you get really pissed off, and people would do it. And then he would give this whole breakdown, and I ended up. I, I, with them. If if you go by that, I guess theoretically you could say the Green Bay fans could say that. Yeah, the Green Bay fans are the only ones that can say that based on my criteria. Sure, but you have to actually own a you have to actually own a share. So if I own stock in the Steelers, yes. I would be allowed to say that. Correct. All right, I might do that. I might buy a share if, if they even have one. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think they have. No, that's the thing. I, I don't know. It's private equity at that point. I don't but. know. <laughs> I couldn't imagine shitting laying down. I feel like that would be a problem for me. See, luckily when I broke my leg, now going poop with a broken leg is very rough. It's I very can imagine. Hard. Now, luckily, the throne actually kind of helped Yeah. at my dad's house. I was able to prop my leg up on a bucket because I couldn't bend my leg. Sure. So I had yeah. to prop it up on a bucket. At, and yeah, that's how I did that. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is getting cut. <laughs> sorry. I didn't anticipate details on that. I'm, I'm sorry. You got anything else? Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to get that deep. <laughs> trying to explain the situation. It's just like, it's like, it's like you were waiting to like, yes, I finally got the opportunity. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. I can finally describe this process to the listeners. <sighs> you, you launch right in. You didn't even hesitate. Yeah, you just cut that. It's fine. All right. Cut. We'll see if that's an outtake or not. I might end up. We didn't really have any good outtakes yet so far, so. <laughs> anyways, anyways. That's all you got with that one? Yep.